Uga chaka, uga, 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 <clears throat> Everything's all right. Ah, 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 That was that was Blue Suede as performed. No, that was Hooked on the Feeling as performed by Blue Suede. Origin, <laughs> originally written by Bjorn Skiffs, I think. No, yes. written by Mark James. There you go. Really? Uh, huh. Wait. So it says here. No, written by Mark James, performed by B J Thomas. And then Bjorn Skiffs, Jonathan King, Blue Suede, they all covered it. As made famous by Guardians of the Galaxy, which is the only good Marvel movie. Just joking, Marvel's great. That's just that that's my <laughs> that's that's my favorite one. Okay. Okay. So good AM PM, Manga Mama Sir. You are listening to the Circus Occurred Podcast, the podcast where shit happens. I'm your host, Killer Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, get right into the rest of the introduction. And um, I am Bobby Rostin coming at you from Espinas, actually. Wow. I'm not in my condominium because I want to stay in the house, man. Dude, I, I need all this rest. I, I want this rest. This is a really good rest. You, you're not going, oh, you don't have class anymore? No, I still have class. It's just I'm just going to go through class. Earlier, because you know I don't like I don't I don't want to get the traffic. Anyways, wait. So when does your class start tomorrow? Yeah, when. Let's just say it, it, it runs along the lines of seven thirty a.m. And oh god, so you're just gonna leave your house really early? Oh yeah. god, that's passion. That's passion right there. No, that's yeah, just, dude, that, like that, 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 that's yeah, that's that's just dedication to the circus occurrence. Respect. I respect that. Yeah. And, um, and I'm Renzo Tevez. I'm also in uh, Las Piñas, chilling in my house, taking a break for tomorrow. Just finished midterms. Ooh-hoo. I'm Kobe yeah. in, my, in my shitty apartment. <laughs> <laughs> On break, but currently sick, suffering from coronavirus. I have five months to live. See you later. Mm. See you in hell, bitches. Yeehaw. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just joking. It's just, it's just allergies. It's springtime. You know what springtime means? Viruses, fever. 
Yeah, I was gonna oh, say sp springtime means cherry blossoms. Cherry blossoms oh. mean pollen, and pollen means allergy. Cherry blossoms are all nice and beautiful the first like two days you see them, and after a while oh. you're like, oh god. <laughs> uh, actually, I want to go to like cherry blossom season. It's it's, it's it's really nice. Though it's gonna be hot, that's the only problem. It's not gonna be hot. It's gonna be. It's hot now because of global warming. It's but it should be chilly. It chilly. should be chilly, not necessarily hot. But I don't know. Right now, the yeah. the weather is still really fucking cold. It's just that it's humid because it's it's raining all the time. Oh. How often does it rain there? Every day, there's like at least a little drizzle. Very humid, I must say. What's <laughs> the matter with you? It's just the exhaustion kicking in, but you know, it's fine. I always have time for the Staircase Security Podcast. Nice. Whoa. Always. What? What? Uh, well, how was your week, guys? I'd like to know what my friends are up to. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna most probably say the same thing over and over again. Prod. It's just like, yeah, it's prod. And two more weeks, guys, before it's show week. So, better be ready. Woohoo! Oh uh, my! Can you take me front row seats, buddy? I wanna watch. Uh, all right, sure. Um, just tell me what day you're watching. I'm gonna send you some. Wait, send me the day. For, I'll check the day again, and I'll, I'll I'll try to make time for my schedule. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, man. No problem. You gotta yeah. support a fellow pro. Right, 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 um, right, cowboy. Aside from that, like I've been also trying to study while being tired as fuck, but you know, I'm getting used to that. You know, I mean, it's I'm not at my peak performance but at least i'm performing all right that's that's great yeah. i mean how about you kobe how are you doing sick i'm tired <laughs> i'm a busy guy right so you know my i'm on break right now i have a deadline two weeks from now aside from that um uh, this week, I wasted a lot of my money. I've been going out like almost every day the past week, and I need oh, to, I need shit. to, I need to calm down, take a break. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I deserve the fucking break. It was my friend's birthday, and we went, we went clubbing. And oh, how was your first time clubbing? It wasn't my first time clubbing. Oh, <laughs> but I never I, knew I, I, clubbing. I don't. I only went for her. I don't like clubs. The music they play sucks. The drinks they serve suck, and the vibe sucks. Uh, everything about it sucks. Everyone's a poser. I, I I almost got kicked out of the club because I started a mosh pit and went on the dance floor, <laughs> and <laughs> they almost kicked me and my friend out. And we, we, we scared all the Japanese people, so they left the dance floor, and, and it was just like us and our friends. Because <laughs> my, my, my friend and I, we were literally just like assaulting each other. <laughs> we, we both squared up, and we just started hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were playing songs like that Roxanne shit. God damn. Roxanne. 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 They were playing, oh, sure. And they were playing like, you know, even old stuff like... 
raindrops drop top all that shit i hate that music so like the only time i could vibe to it i think was when i got aside from the fact that i really enjoyed the company that was there because they were like really chill cool people and I I had to get really drunk, and then when I got drunk, I was dancing, and I just didn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> yeah, nice. you know, for me, I'm I'm not much of the the stay at home person. You know, I like the comforts of my house, but I won't shy away like when I spend time with other people, like most especially with my girlfriend. Um, that's, that's one girlfriend. Oh man, yeah. Um, also, I have like a bunch of close friends. Usually, we just go on dinners, so yeah, it's pretty chill. I, 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 we don't really like going clubbing. I, I, one time I went to like, um, what's that place in Katipunan? But basta, it's like a place where you can drink and shit, and there's like so many bars there in one area. And the, the thing is, when I went there, I was bored to hell, man. Like, yeah, I was drinking, but it was noisy and like. I don't know. Like I, I like I like I like it quiet when I drink. I like it peaceful. You feel? Yeah, that's true. You just gotta find the right bar, you know. Yeah, it's not it's really kind of... about the bar. Like I mean, I can make my own house a bar. I'll be the only one there. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about clubbing also was that like, I I I get like why people go because like no one no nothing happens in the club. No no you can. You can forget about your deadlines, about your work, about your problems, and just dance. Lose yourself in the music. And, like, even though I hated the music, I found myself dancing to it. It was easy to dance to, and I think that was the whole point. It, you know, it's, it's just a, a means to let out your energy. You know, some people do it differently. Yeah. Other people gym. Personally, what I would do is I would probably attend a concert and mosh with people. I would, like, attend a live show and mosh to the sound of like whoa, 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 and then I just beat the fuck out of people in the pit. That's what I would do. <laughs> so I like that. I tried to do that in the club and I almost got into a fight with some Japanese people, but they were scared. They were saying shit. They went up to like my friend and said, Can you tell them to stop? And then my friend <laughs> my friend pulled me aside and said, Yo, the bouncer asked me to stop you for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do it. So we, I actually ended up. I actually didn't want the club. Uh, we went to. A, I went. We went to a pub, and we were drinking. And then, I wanted to go home after that because it was like it was like one a.m. and I was like shit. And then I realized that, well, I'm here already, and my friend's gonna leave in like a few weeks and never come back to Japan. She's an exchange student. So I said, shit, well, well, might as well just try clubbing. I mean, I wanted to give it a shot because a big a big reason of why people have fun in clubs is because of the company they have. A lot of the times, like, you know, you, you do things you normally find pleasant, like karaoke club, but you're with the mm. wrong company and you end, uh, you end up super bored, right? That's so, true. Something like that. So I decided, so I, I really like the guys that my, my friend brought, so... I decided to go clubbing with them, and uh, I ended up having more fun than I thought. And then I, 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 we ended up staying until the club closed. Then we had breakfast at McDonald's, and then we all went home at like five in the morning. I was the one who lived the furthest, and the, the transport was down. And my friend lost Mister Train home, so he had to stay the night. So we left the, the club at like five ish, and we walked all the way to my place, and we came home at eight. And then we didn't even sleep anywhere. We just stayed up all night, talking about talking about. Red, dumb shit 
until uh, until he could until he I until it was eleven. Then he he went home. I like that. That's wholesome. It is alright. It was so yeah. That's pretty much. I mean, I I splurged a lot of money. I I I I owe, I owe my friends so much fucking money right now. It's oh. insane. So. At least you have a. From what I remember, you have a part-time job, right? You no, could... no, I don't. Oh. I I I I I do jobs, but I'm not employed. It's like gigs, you know, odd jobs. I get, I drift. I get paid for like a, a week of working here, and then I and then it stops, and then like they want someone to help them out with this. I help them out. They pay me for helping out. It's like that. It's not a steady employment mm. thing. So. I'm unemployed, but when I'm not outside with friends, most of my time is usually spent studying by myself, getting woke on my own, and getting ready for this fucking show. How about you, Tevez? Mm, well, I just uh, started learning programming, did some self-evaluation in my artwork, trying to grow myself. Um, I currently met with some friends feels really good how old like sausage old uh no no older than sausage old uh these are childhood friends learning child old uh yeah around wow tlc yeah. people huh yeah it's it feels good to meet some old new people and especially when they grow and seeing as they i, thought, I asked them about their experiences they really get, i got a lot of insight of how they're enjoying their lives really nice um yeah other than learning more artwork started appreciating more artists you know nice same old same old oh um also working on a personal project for a new game oh you this is like your own passion project kind of thing yeah Mm -hmm. nice Mm -hmm. get him that's pretty cool thank you it's a beat tough beat em up game fuck him up man yeah, correctly we'll do that. Once we're releasing the sprite art, we will uh, I'll hopefully advertise in this game. Send a link on this nice, really nice game. You. All right, dude. That's yeah. Hot. That's basically... Sounds like a bop and a half. Fuck up. Oh, this... this is just your solo project, huh? Mm-hmm. Cool. More power to you. Yeah. Thank you. Happy for you, Renzo. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy with for everyone, like everyone trying to change themselves, trying to grow. You know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, like, cause recently I met some friends, and then uh, some friendships are falling apart because their friends refuse to listen. They like leeching off their parents. Ooh. I mean, like, yeah, like they, they, like I don't mind. Like I, I think at one point we all kind of do that but then this one's really hard at that. like he has a bad spending habit of buying a lot of games a lot that a lot of like what you call that games that he doesn't even play and he has money from his parents and he has to bu- budget something so it's mm. kind of bad at this point that he's already spending so much that he already has uh what you call, he has kind of as a what do you call that problem paying off his daily uh Daily life stuff, you know, daily needs like food, water, all that. Yeah. God um, damn. Yeah, that's why. Idiot, actually. Yeah, we told him. We told him off many times. Thing is, he doesn't want to listen. You know, some people they don't want to listen, man. 
yeah, most people, if you, if you want them to listen, want them to let them make that grave mistake and they'll learn from there. Some people mm-hmm. are just that stubborn. I learned that from the workplace as well. Like, there are people who are so fucking stubborn, and when it really bites them in the ass, maybe then and only then they can. True. But if they're not that mature, they're just gonna blame everything entirely on their. I don't like that type of um, uh, mindset. Yeah, it's not very out, but. You call that? It's not very. It's not a very good mindset to keep in the workplace, it ever. Cause like, you call it doesn't do anyone. What you call that justice? It doesn't even do you justice because what you call that, you're just shoving the blame. No one will ever learn from that. That's the worst part. You know, I I want to stop you guys there because this is a this is a perfect segue to our topic for today. Oh, all right. So what's our topic for today, folks? So, due to. Well, popular demand not it's not really popular demand but it seems that the episodes that do the best in our show are not the philosophy ones but rather the psychology ones there's just something about psychology that the millennials love i can <laughs> and uh and <laughs> so basically and, we're, ju- we're we're just uh selling we're selling out yes we're selling out but here's the here's the point i want to i want to tell you guys the structure right now so right. I want to ask you guys. So Renzo, uh, at the end of our Sigmund Freud special, Renzo posed the question of what is the meaning of life, more or less, at least through Whoa. the lens of existentialism. And mm-hmm. if you ask any smart ass, what's the meaning of life? A lot of people would say, oh, it's 40, 40. 42. <laughs> Okay, 42. Uh, it's 42. It's 42E. That's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And a lot of people are like, the hell does that mean? Uh, the, an interpretation that I read online was that... Um, so, do you, do you, Renzo, you're the weeb here. Do you know how to count in Japanese? No. I, I'm not even the weeb. Okay, so... Guess, uh... So, 42 in Japanese is... Yonjuni, but if you count it, so one, two, three, four, ichi, ni, san, shi, so 42, four, two, shi, ni, shi, ni, death. The meaning of life is death. Shi, The meaning of life is death. But here's the thing. Uh, I wanted to be like a smart fucker. So what I did was I wanted to save episode 42, the meaning of life, for our Friedrich Nietzsche special. Oh damn! Oh there! Uh, and leading up to Friedrich Nietzsche, are about twelve, twelve thinkers, twelve mm. ideas that were influenced by or influenced Nietzsche's thought. And I, Bobby, and I decided to call these guys the the Knights of Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she works. I like that. So there, there are twelve Knights of Nietzsche. And the first night of Nietzsche that we will <laughs> that we will tackle is a person named Rollo May. Rollo May. Rollo May. Rollo May. All right. So Rollo May. So Rollo May is not important. What's important is his idea. As usual, the person in all the episodes you do, the person is not that important. It's the ideas that are important. So. 
So just based on what you guys understand about psychology, you you all would argue that there is a very big existentialist theme vibe going on, right? Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. more or less. That and that's that's like completely deliberate. So there are a ton of psychologists who were influenced by Nietzsche, including the man himself, Big Big Sig. <laughs> Sigmund So I want Uh this was sponsored by uh South Park JK What a great audience Oh I love that one Hey Jimmy Hey, Stan. Hey, this is Stan. Stan. Can you talk to Jenny for me? You know, I really, because of that, I really remember the episode in Cartman, like, uh, when, uh, what's his name? Eric Cartman entered the Special Olympics just to earn money. I was wondering how they got away with that. so fucking fun. Hey, hey, Renzo. Bobby says you're 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 cunt you're cunt you're cunt you're cunt I love that too. She just looked wasted. Got up these facts. For one million dollars, the question is: people who annoy you. <laughs> oh, Bobby doesn't get that. Do you don't get that? Well, no, what's that? Okay, if you know, you know, right? Right, Renzo? Yeah, fine. <laughs> For what? <laughs> People who. Uh, I know it, but I don't want to say it. I think I know it. I don't want to say it. I don't say it, but. Ten, ten seconds, Mr. Marsh. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> no, no, no! Get down. Anyway, Alright, so. I want to ask you guys first. Given mm. what you guys remember about the Sigmund Freud special, and given what you guys understand about existentialism, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on what you think existential psychotherapy is, because that's what Rollo may introduced. Existential what? psychotherapy. Whoa, mm. The hell does that mean? <clears throat> okay, uh, you want to go first, Renzo, or you want? Uh, you can go first. I want to take a guess. I'm All thinking right, about that. So... Um, existential psychotherapy. I don't know, like, how I think of it, you'd approach someone who feels lost or someone who'd feel just like very unsure of themselves, and then you hit them up with that existential dread. And once they get hit by that dread, that's when you when the therapy starts to kick in. That's what I'm thinking. The therapy will kick in, or the resolve the you know the remedy will start happening the moment they find their own meaning after through that existential dread and that's what i so like, Bob, bobby okay go on go on yeah like 
I would think like they, they, they'll hit you up with that feeling now. Oh fuck, man, we're we're gonna die. We're all life is like meaningless. And then the therapist will be like, "So, what can you make of it?" And they're going they're like, "Oh, oh shit." Okay, so Bobby, what you just described is not the answer. What you just described uh-huh. is another method of psychotherapy called logotherapy, okay. which we actually tackled in episode fifteen in the in the Joby era before Tevis was here. Uh, I don't know. I just I just feel like they're almost the same. Thing. It's they're very close. Log logotherapy is the psych is the method of psychotherapy that helps people find meaning in their life, and to find meaning is to confront the existential dread. It's similar but different. Same, same but different. Okay. Oh wait, I think uh, I remember witnessing one during a what you call that a conference for um, it was like for what you call that it was a it was one of those conferences where you it's one of those help conferences you know you got, in yeah. order to help one out. Yeah, the the mental I, health conference that you keep you kept bringing up the last episode. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's not, it's not the same one. It's not this one. It's a different one. Okay, I attended. Uh, I attend. Uh, I started attending more conferences or to learn more stuff. Ooh, you know, increase your right That's my boy. And I, th- okay. I think from what I remember, is ex- they did. A, they did an example in existential psychotherapy how it works. I remember they did. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, basically, it, it was like it wasn't like your usual therapy, but rather they focused. Like the guy was talking about. What you call he was talking about his capacity, like what what's his potential, what he can handle, and then he talked about his dreams, like aspirations as well. And then after that, what you call that? I like the therapy technique also it like tells him what his limits are so he doesn't you know while using a positive approach, you know? That's what I witnessed. That's why I noticed. Because like I remember she said it was like what you call that, focusing on the human condition. Okay. Um, what you just described, Devis, was not also the answer. <laughs> oh, dang well, well, What you just described sounds a lot like uh, what you call um, humanistic psychoanalysis. That was the method that was started by Eric Fromm, which drew heavily from existential psychotherapy and in turn also inspired parts of existential psychotherapy. Close, but all right. So, so like we're beating around the bush into yeah. what it actually is. Yep, yep, Something yep. Like that. But there are but common things. Really both, both, to, both, both you of know. you are both of you are right. You you were right, Bobby, okay. in the sense that it's about confronting the the negativity, the dread, the the, the tragedy. And Tevis, you were right in the sense that it's about understanding capability, understanding. The nature of the self and how it plays out in certain scenarios. Gets so we do we find like a synthesis within those two? Well, I'll 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 explain it later. So right, sure. uh, so as always, you know, Tevis, you were you were bitching to me like earlier. <laughs> we should have a structure, and I was like, maybe we should have a structure. So right now, in all the episodes, I want to start every episode out with a little historical context. Okay. So. First thing you need to know is Rollo May is an American. Rollo May is American. And that's kind of a big deal because America at the time was part of the science team. <laughs> Remember the joke? Oh. 
Are you doing psychotherapy by yourself? <laughs> nah. No. I'm with the... Freud is no. with the boys. Skinny was in the science team. Anyway. So, but first of all, you need to understand first what, what, what existentialism is. So existentialism, I think you both have a general idea about it. And I think more or less your idea is correct. Uh, and... Throughout psychology, existentialism has been a, um, a gigantic theme. The idea that you're the one that defines the circumstances of your existence is a big deal in a lot of psychology, especially psychotherapy, uh, Freud's turf. So there's a little bit of existentialism in every single school of psychotherapy. Hmm. But existential psychotherapy is the one that probably has the most, you know, you know ah, get in there, you know. What do you mean? Ah, uh, get in there. Like in the most ham-fisted use of existentialism. Ah, so it's like in your face, talaga na existentialism. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other, okay. the other ones like logotherapy or humanistic psychoanalysis. That's more of like an implied existentialism. So it's like it, it just uses existentialism slightly or like partly, but doesn't really delve fully into it. Um, it, you know, psychology cannot delve fully into it because existentialism is a philosophy, first and foremost. And there are, even within philosophy, there are different approaches to it, right? Hannah Arendt had a political approach. John Paul Sartre had a more socialist, socialist, I mean, sociological approach. Camus had a literary approach. Nietzsche had a Nietzsche approach. <laughs> Nietzsche. <laughs> All of that shit, so... Yeah, so first of all, uh, Rollo May is American, and that's a big deal because uh, the Americans did not fuck with Freud. They don't. They don't want nothing to do with that guy. Gets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of like edge lords in the academia said, you know, we should start fucking with this guy. So they got together. A bunch of these psychologists got together and they said, we're going to take some of that, you know, little, little juicy psychotherapy, you know, the European shit, the good shit. We'll take some of that and put it in the USA. And they, 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 these edgelords called themselves the, the third force. What the fuck? <laughs> third force? Um, it's like a nerdy so they, fucking name, dude. So it's called the third force because I told you that psychotherapy was divided into three major schools after Freud died. The... <laughs> The Freudians, the Neo-Freudians, and then the... No, the Freudians, the Kleinians, and then the Neo-Freudians. The third force were a group of the Neo-Freudians. Neo-Freudians, okay. They called themselves the third force because they were part of... They were the they were part of the third subgroup, I think. And they were also the ones that brought Freud to the US of A. And they were headed by three main figures, actually. Hmm. Rollo May is one of them. The other one is Carl Rogers, and the other oh, one. Are we, are, are we gonna Are we gonna go under him? Carl Rogers. Why does Carl Rogers sound so familiar? He's, Will he he's, be he's, one of the knights? I think he is one of the knights. Carl Rogers is very, very fucking important in psychology. He, he, his method of psychology that he invented was called person-centered psychotherapy. Person-centered. Wait, how come I heard of Carl Rogers? He's a very, like... very huge name in psychology. One of the most important ones. More important. I, 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 I can feel like there's a bit, like a lot of Nietzsche influence. 
Yeah, so Carl Rogers kind of was the father of modern counseling. Ooh. Modern counseling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Counseling, like, you know, in school, guidance counselor, mentoring chats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the difference between, like, modern counseling and uh, the past one? Like, didn't they always have the same method or something? So, would you say that you are seeing a therapist if you have a mentoring chat with, like, someone from Southridge? No, right? Mm, Entirely entirely different. That's the thing. Counseling is more of, like... Counseling is more of maintenance, while therapy is more of fixing Direct. something, cure, curing something. Yeah. It's like okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so my friend who who recovered from depression made that clear to me. Counseling is like maintenance, and <clears throat> therapy is obviously the direct. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, bingo, ding, ding, ding. The other person who headed um this movement is a name that I think both of you know very, very well. Mm. I know for a fact I know this guy very well because I did my research on him in high in high school with my with Alvaro. Okay. Abra- Abraham Maslow. Maslow. And the Maslow. hierarchy of needs. There we go. That rang a bell. So the third force, these 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 fuckers, they they their 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 theories focused a lot on the themes. The it's, no. Yeah, it's part of it. Like no, that was Maslow's thing. And they focus a lot on self-actualization, creativity, personal freedom, and the and the what made them different from the Freudian fuckers in Europe was that they also had an, a focus on sustaining a healthy mental state. It, was, it, it, it it wasn't just about treating disorders. It was about reinforcing the treatment, also, right? Like, aside from fixing shit, why not make it better? Yeah, yeah, that? something like that. It's like that. That's why these guys are very associated with counseling. Uh, no. Ooh. So yeah. Later on, actually, we can we can try to existentially psycho psychoanalyze ourselves and that's gonna be fun won't it be fun oh shit. yeah that'd be oh. Ooh. <clears throat> alcohol okay so now let's talk about how this theory came about before before i explain what the theory is let's look at how it was inspired so who is the father of existentialism um yeah. Before, be- <laughs> before, before Big Nichiosaurus was in the scene. Before the Neat Boy, Neat Boy. Before, before Neat, 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 Neat came came along. No, I think I think it it it'll be one of the the Greek philosophers. No. Kierkegaard is he German? Yes, yes, yes. Bingo. How do you know Tevis? What the fuck? How do you know? Oh wait, I had philosophy class. Just I thought you googled Kierkegaard? it. Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard. He is he, he he is Danish. He is a Whoa. Danish Christian. Will he? he... Whoa. You okay? I've been trying to attend a lot of uh. I've been trying a lot of uh, events lately, so nice. gotta get more of that knowledge. So, so he knows who Kirk. I'm proud of you. You know Kierkegaard. He's one of the. Knights. I wouldn't say no, no, Emma. I'm just I just they I know the general lang because they were like teaching a lot of. They're trying to teach us a lot of stuff. Well, don't, so I will, don't worry about it. Those free lessons. 
Kierkegaard is one of the knights of Nietzsche. He's like this. He's like one of the head knights. We will discuss him like later, later on. So yeah, he is the big daddy of existentialism, and he was also one of the one of the founders of modern psychology indirectly, because he introduced the idea of anxiety. That's his contribution to psychology. We won't talk about his philosophy. We'll talk about his psychology. So Kierkegaard introduced anxiety as a concept. Anxiety is a very big deal in in this in this method of psychotherapy. So what the fuck is what? And we we discussed okay. Kierkegaard in the very the very first episode of Strictly Socrate. Oh damn, that was a long time ago. So, uh, I'll here's a warm up. There's a very famous quote that Kierkegaard has. Um, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Oh <laughs> shit! Now I remember this question. Yeah. Yeehaw, yeehaw. Fuck, that brings me. I, back, I want. Dude. I want to hear what Tevis thinks about it. Like, can you? What do you think about that quote? There's no wrong answer. Anxiety mm, is the, the, the dizziness of freedom. Oh, while well, well, um, Renzo's thinking the answer, I'm gonna. Oh shit! Oh, I was gonna say already. Like, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Take your time. Wait, yeah. what, what do I think of it? Um, honestly, I think we. First of all, like I really think that's true because you call that. Um, most most of us we call. Oh, how to put this? Because I I believe that. A lot, a lot of us who have stress, uh, when, you, when I believe in the cause of freedom, it's doing what you want, right? Mm-hmm. With, uh, especially when it comes to passion, right? In the case of most passion work, when you have anxiety or any str- any type of stress, it kind of affects you from do- being at your 100%. Um, I remember someone saying, what do you call that? It's, uh, it's easy to be at 100, but it's hard to be at 99 and i thought that didn't make sense at first until they met in the case that we call that if you are it's easier to do work when you're at 100 percent, but when you're like feeling down like when you're not at your best game it's really hard to feel to do your best mm. because of uh, because you're busy with other stuff but which results to usually burn out and all that kind of stuff okay so it's very interesting because there's a little bit of truth to that. You need to understand that before Kierkegaard, anxiety was not a thing. Not not really a thing that was defined. So so let's separate it into two, two, two definitions, the psychological one and the philosophical one. But I want to hear what Bobby thinks first. Hello? Bobby? Hello? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Can you guys hear me? So, I can hear you. Um, I think it's something wrong. I technical, think, um, diffi- technical difficulties with Bobby. <laughs> uh, we'll be playing an intermission. <laughs> I, I can just pause the recording. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, oh, well. we're, we're, we're resuming now. Uh, I wanted to know, like, what, do you, what do you think about that quote? About uh, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Hmm. It's time. Who's this? Who's this? It's Kobe. Wait, what? No way. <laughs> <laughs> we were asking you, Tevez or me? You, Tevez. Me? Oh, Tevez answered while you were out. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Um, Disney has a freedom. I, I, I don't know if I should go back to what they defined at first, 
No but I will answers. redefine it. I will redefine it because I have now uh, what you call this evolved. Wow, just kidding. Oh, okay. okay. A lot has changed since the very beginning, and it's been going back to the year, same almost, idea. Yeah, go yeah, on. It's been a year, more than a year. No, almost, almost. It, we started June, July. Well, no. Yeah, go on. So. Anxiety is a dizziness of freedom. How I would define it is that, firstly, our thoughts are more or less free. Uh-huh. It's like it's our ideas and our wants are, in essence, should be our derived from our own free will. That's what I think, right? And <clears throat> basically, anxiety. How I think of it is that anxieties. <clears throat> stem from the fear of those wants and dreams of grandeur being hindered. And this is where the dizziness of freedom comes in. When you are feeling anxiety or when you're feeling scared, when you have that fear that the thing you want won't happen, it hinders your thought to the point that maybe I can't do it. Maybe it's not going to work. And... That the from the line dizziness freedom, it kind of like makes it blurred. It makes it uncertain. You don't know if it's gonna happen or not, and that's basically like a endless cycle of overthinking. That's why it's the. That's why I think it's dizziness of freedom because the <clears throat> the thing you want is the freedom itself, and the dizziness is where it makes it uncertain. That's the anxiety kicking in. And that's where you start spiraling and spiraling. That's how anxiety hits. So that's how I define it. Yo, E. Okay, so I was telling Tevez that, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll separate it into two definitions. The philosophical, more metaphysical one, and the mm-hmm. psychological, more personality-based one. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. We won't get too much into the philosophical one because it's not that important to this discussion. But in a nutshell, it's like this. Um, Let's say there's a choice. Let's say I have the choice of transferring to psych for my course. The the, The thing is, I cannot ever be certain about whether I will be happier staying in my current course or having transferred so it's the idea of being confronted with this unknown the abyss of uncertainty that gives me anxiety yes that's hey tied to what i said anyways Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so in a nutshell uh, i I won't get into it i'll save the more detailed definition for when we cover this night of nietzsche (laughs) but 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 in a nutshell that's it's more of dealing with factors beyond their control it's the acknowledgement of that there are certain things that we cannot know of we cannot be you know certain of and we cannot control and yet they uh, they affect everything we do in our in our lives like you guys are familiar with cthulhu right Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a big theme in like Cthulhu and Lovecraft and horror is that a lot of the monsters there are beyond the human understanding, and when you try to understand it, you go crazy because you cannot comprehend what you just witnessed. That's that's the theme. It's the idea that there are powers out there 
that you are just a plaything to. There are certain metaphysical constants out there, like <clears throat> like like events and choices and whatnot that you cannot control yet plays such an integral part in controlling you. It's just the realization of how weak you really are as a metaphysical entity. How little effect you actually have on anything. Damn, that hurts. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll access that painful idea later on. But the psychological mm -hmm. idea is this. It's a, it's a lot easier to understand. So, in, so as far as psychology is concerned, the anxiety can not just manifest itself in like choices, decisions, but it can also manifest itself in personality. How so? So there, there is a identity. Kind, exactly, bingo, ding, 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 fucking ding. You're right. So anxiety has a massive correlation with despair, and the reason why is because of what the human nature is. Because according to Kierkegaard, uh, the met the metaphysics of his anxiety is that we want to make choices that that help us navigate the world. And sometimes what, what motivates our ability to make choices is the desire to be different. So Kierkegaard said that every human has a desire to be different. And the thing about the thing that Kierkegaard says is that being different, for the sake of being different, i.e. as a sort of band-aid over the anxiety, bad mm -hmm. shit. Stay away from that shit. So here's why. So according to Kierkegaard, there, there are three things you can do as a person. Because so, apparently, the, the the desire to be different is part of your nature. So what can you do? So here's so there's there's three things you can do. Can I try to guess one of them? All right, go ahead. I think one of them is like doing what everyone's doing but better. Trying to do what everyone's doing. Not but better. necessarily. You're thinking too ahead. Think think really broadly. It's this. Very so, broadly. So the first thing you can do is you can decide to become a different person. And uh, huh? you can imitate somebody. You can throw away your principles to live up to someone. For example, if you're a simp and you throw away your <laughs> if you you throw away your personality as a man, as an independent man, to win the affection of a girl who brings nothing to the table, you are becoming a different person. When you you're compromising your identity. Yeah, when you compromise your own individual identity to fit into a predetermined mold that exists, you betray yourself. You lose sight of yourself. You become a different person. And because of that, you get anxious and you despair. The second thing you can do is not be different and stay yourself. And as long as you... What do you mean stay yourself? Don't change. For example, if you if if you if you're if you're okay, go. you know that there's people in our batch who want to carry on being CGE whatever, well into their college life. They 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 carry yeah. they carry on their sociopathic tendencies, their their asshole nature, that sort of thing, and well into their college life, and it's bite it's biting them in the ass. They don't want to change, and because of their inability to change, they they are betraying their natural desire to want to, oh, be, to want to be different and therefore they despair i have a question regarding that uh, okay. about people trying to be other people right um what was the statement you, you said again regarding that like what you call that you lie to yourself if you imitate you yeah you you abandon 
your your right. your, you your, your, your your identity, your yourself. You abandon right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Because like I heard, though I heard like in some back then back talks, isn't this in the case of marrying that people marry other people in order to grow because they don't really like they they imitate a certain speech style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manners and like behavior, right? Because it's like because... they don't know how to react to that situation, right? What what they what that... they what they see what they perceive is that this person the way that this person acts is working. He's doing really well. So their imp- right. their their psychological tendency is to say that. Oh, since this person is doing so well, I should do the same thing. Maybe I'll do as well as this person. This is why people adopt very plastic personas when they go out to socialize. Yeah, are you talking about in the case that like, because yeah, I hear that marrying either goes two ways, right? Like you said, like I hear that marrying goes two ways. Either you develop your own until you develop your own sense, because first you use people as a base, then you develop your own kind of style, right? Yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah. The other one is like pure. You really copy, mm. like until to the point you get uh, your own persona, like you said earlier. But that, 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 that's false. But exactly. But you're we're going too deep into it if we go through there. Uh, but in a nutshell, yeah. Uh, in both scenarios, you are like whittling down the structure of your own self identity. So. The third option is the best option because the third option is to accept mm. accept yourself and instead of copy people just get inspired by people. It's like yeah. you de- derive what other people do and make your own twist to it or something. So yeah, kind of like that in a nutshell, okay. yeah. But okay. but Kierkegaard said that the only way to get out of this rut of anxiety and despair is to learn how to accept yourself, yourself as a person. And how this works into me was uh, how Kierkegaard applied this anxiety despair concept to to theology. Theology. Because pe- okay. people tend to. When you have institutions like science, Christianity, society, governing institutions that you exist as a part of, people tend to misinterpret and misuse these institutions <clears throat> to justify their anxiety. Like, uh, it's like a false sense of, what you call it? A false sense of resolve, like, thinking that... False sense of security. For example, people use Christianity to justify the lack of knowledge that they have regarding the, the metaphysical properties of the universe or ethics people use science yeah. to justify the inherent ignorance and you know and the sort of perceived pride and clout that comes with being a scientist people like to misinterpret economics to justify why a certain action for a state or a business would be you know uh, ethically wrong illegal that sort of thing people use these big bodies of institutions to sort of as a band-aid to like cover up what they're actually feeling it's a it's a solution that doesn't work because as so long as they refuse to accept themselves they will not move out of this stage of despair so people like to use the power of something that is greater than them i.e society government religion to sort of tell themselves that 
it's fine if I don't understand the meaning of life. It's fine if I am suffering. It's fine if this is the, the if, if this is you know an, an unethical course of action. It's them. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's them telling themselves that I'm doing the right thing when really they know that it's not because they don't want to confront themselves. Oof. Yeah, that's a mega oof right there. <laughs> yeah, yeehaw. It's like, Sad. On a on a smaller so Kierkegaard was Rolame's big big inspiration. Um, on a smaller scale, there there's my Martin Heidegger, and his phenomenology. Uh, in a nutshell, basically Martin Heidegger said that the truth of the world can be understood through an analysis of the own individual self as an agent that acts on the world. And Rolame was also inspired. Lastly, by the big N, I don't even need to explain that, do I? Mm. Yeah, you don't really need to. Yeah, the big big N is big N, and <laughs> just leave it at that. So those were his. So, and on a smaller level, he was also inspired by this guy named Ludwig Binswanger, who was the first person who actually sort of properly synthesized existentialism with psychotherapy that's he has a book called basic forms and the realization of human being in the world so those are the those are his philosophical influences now let's talk about his psychological influences and there's a lot like there's some more there's so of course freud jung auto rank but there's two that i want to focus on and there were the, they were the two that you guys actually inadvertently brought up <clears throat> Eric Fromm and Carl Rogers Oh Dibs on Carl Rogers I'm just kidding Okay So Renzo you were the one who brought up Eric Fromm by accident and Oh sh- Yeah <laughs> And uh, f- And uh. <laughs> Eric Eric Fromm his method was called humanistic psychoanalysis and the whole point of that was that you had to emphasize the positive the positive natural characteristics of a human being things like a person's inherent creativity his capacity to love and the positive traits that come with his personality so yeah. eric Fromm said that anxiety is caused by uh, an acknowledgement of powerlessness that comes from the you as an individual being separated from from nature from the world around you that's what causes anxiety and from said that oh if you want to overcome this you have to do three things so psychologists really love to enumerate the all all the methods that they use it's like a thing that they fucking do so <laughs> so they, he said that you can do three things you can discover your own unique ideas and abilities and build up on them like how Bo- bobby is chemist and renzo is artist and and kobe is machine <laughs> fuck you <laughs> uh side tangent guys like i swear to god i've been talking kobe for like the past day and just can't stop telling himself that a fucking machine, dude. He's a, I'm a ruthless, efficient, philosophical machine. <laughs> the, the whole world is one big F of X. So, if X approaches one. 
just kidding. I don't, don't want to get into that. I just had like a calculus exam like two days ago, so I don't want to talk about calculus right now. <laughs> anyway, so that's one. That's one way. Discover your own strengths. Yeah. Secondly, oh, right. embrace your own personal uniqueness. For example, Bobby, what is unique about you? Oh, you're HDG. Oh, you're you're. I mean, being chemist is not unique, but being chemist in the HDG might be unique. Being Bobby is unique. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things about Bobby that is very Bobby, like you name it, Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I always say to everyone that if you if you want to know who Bobby is, then spend time with me, and maybe you'll find that there's so many like like my friends. They say. Bobby, there's no one else like you. And then I asked them, I don't know, there's no one like you. You're just Bobby. I don't know. Everyone has this like certain Bobby essence towards me. And <clears throat> even I can't even define that. Maybe it's my attitude towards others. The, the mere fact that I'm very generous, love being genuine to everyone. And like, I always make it uh, a point that whatever you see, is what you get. I present myself 100% genuinely. I know and how I think... to answer this question. Oh, really? So, let's look to Steam. I wonder what your Steam friends say about you. Rude Afho. <laughs> Rude Afho. Okay. Fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> Fuck face. Mock emoji. Hi! Potagago. Nah! Plus rep, thanks for saving my sanity. Oh, so Bobby's a psychotherapist in the side, huh? Jesus, fuck you. Plus rep, Pogimo. Hi! Plus rep, cool trader. Oh my. Plus rep, nice and cooperative trader. What's up, Bobby? So that's that, that's your uniqueness. Let's look at Renzo's uniqueness and Steam. He has no he has no comments. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Let's look at mine. Minus rep, bad trader. <laughs> that was for me, that was for me. Trash. 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 This guy is the, <laughs> this guy is the best. One sexy transgender, that's for sure. <laughs> Plus rep, so nice dick. You're a you're a beast in sniper. Better than me. Plus rep for taking the sniper career. Plus rep, awesome and very sexy trader. <laughs> Damn, Kobe. A lot of people are like really into you, man. Trash. You've been, you've been up in the game Trash. since PF2 days, Trash. right? Uh, all, like half of my comments are just people think, calling me trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, Kobe, let's go back. What are you again? You're a, a philosophical efficient machine. <laughs> I'm a machine. <laughs> let's add another one. A trash cat. Um, <laughs> God, that's my uniqueness. I who, who can say that there are two things at once? I'm a ruthless, efficient, philosophical machine, you know, or or, or organic tissue over metal endoskeleton. 
<laughs> Fuck uh, you. And then, <laughs> and then trash at the same time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The third thing that From says is that you have to develop your capacity to love. That's something that also goes back to Frankel's logotherapy. If you watched episode fifteen, capacity to love, self-explanatory. But what, what, but love is not just to person. It can be to yourself. It can be to a concept, to an institution, to a hobby, to an activity. Sometimes even to an item. Yay! So, from also, uh, well, may used from's idea to introduce a concept prominent in existential psychotherapy called true religion. Now, what is true religion? True religion is the ability to face challenges throughout your life with purpose and meaning and having this purpose and meaning stay intact at the end of the challenge. Oh, so it's like a durability test. <laughs> exactly. It's your ability to face that existential tragedy of life and not lose sight of your purpose and meaning. That's true religion, according to him. True religion. And the way, the way you maintain this is through the acceptance of responsibility and the, 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 the decisiveness of the choices you make. So yes, that's from. Now let's move on to Carl Rogers. Carl, Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers is the daddy of counseling. If there was no, God. if there was no Carl Rogers, there would be no counseling. Do you know what counseling did to you, Renzo Tevis? No. Counseling. Let. Well, actually, I don't know what how to say, how, what to say to that. Counseling. <laughs> counseling. Let you. Let, <laughs> Counseling lets you cut boring classes. If there was no counseling, there would be no mentoring chats. Yeah, dudes. Bless Rogers for, for mentoring chats. So the whole point, so Rogers' theory is called person-centered psychotherapy. And the, the whole point of this is to help people live the good life. That's a classic philosophical question espoused by Socrates and the boys. Socrates. So Socrates, Plato, and the Stottle. <laughs> the Stottle. The Stottle. The Stottle himself. And Rogers said the good life is not a state of being. If you think that, you dumb. The good life is a process. And someone would ask him, oh, Mr. Rogers, how do you live the good life? And Mr. Rogers said, how many ways? Guess how many ways? Hmm. Uh, oh, no. How many? Uh, there, there was a joke there because so far everyone said that there are three ways to do X and Y. But Roger said, not three, four. <laughs> there are four ways, baby. So Roger said that, uh, firstly, you have to be open to experience. You guys know Yes Man by Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey, what? Yeah. You know the movie? Doctor. Yes, yes, man. It's a movie where Jim Carrey attends a seminar, and the seminar says, say yes to everything. And Jim Carrey has to play in a movie where he, he can never say no to anything. Oh, that's it? Yes. The... Wow. That's, that, that's, that's, that's it. So it's like it's it's stuff like because he's like he's like a, he's like an introvert, and all of a sudden when he says yes to everything, he lives a better life. Where it's like, you wanna you wanna go on a date with me? 
yes you want to go clubbing yes you want to and then it gets worse it's like let's do drugs yes let's kill this man yes let's dump his body in the river yes let's let's sell these nuclear launch codes to this sketchy terrorist in the sidewalk yes it's like that he can't say no it's a comedy though i like it it's one of my favorite movies actually Ooh. yes yes Yes. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> so secondly is to focus on the present moment this is something that i'm bad at because i'm a machine machines calculate probability i cannot focus so thirdly is to trust yourself and fourthly is to treat people with what he calls unconditional positive regard basically give everyone the benefit of the doubt you see? Okay. So, so, the basically how Carl Rogers inspired me was that uh, his, his psychotherapy doubled down as not just a way to fix problems, but as a, mm. uh, but as a counseling method as well. So, usually, sometimes when people ask you for help and you, this is something that I think I've been doing a lot by by accident like whenever people ask me for help i like to take a very ex existential approach to help them right okay so uh, sample uh, sample sample pretend this is yeah, pretty pretty wait we act like as a guy who has problems or okay well, who wants to be my patient or do, do you both want to be my patients with different problems yeah let's do that want to do that bobby it's to uh Okay, okay, sure. Let's go, let's go. All right, you, all right. You go first this time. Okay, Renzo. Okay, you step into my office. Hello, my name is Dr. Arbus. Nice to meet you. Hi, Dr. Arbus. I have problems. How do I've you been know? feeling really... I've been feeling really dead. Like, I haven't been... I've been feeling burnt out. Like, I don't... I don't know, man. Like, I feel really shitty lately. Why? Like what everything I do doesn't matter. Like no matter how hard I try, what do, do you I do? call that? Well, Mister Ar, well, well, Doctor Arbis, I've been uh, I've been doing some, I've been doing a lot of work lately over time. And why, why sometimes... are you why are you evading the question? I'm, I I asked you plain in, in plain English, what do you do? <laughs> oh, I thought I thought we were simulating a. Oh, you meant actually, okay. No, I do. no, I'm not. It's because you just dog shit at the simulation. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit, dude. I'm out. <laughs> nah, but let's, uh, let's see. I just said what you call it. I sell, uh, I sell tampons. Okay. Do you, I think so. I know, I think I know the problem. Do you sell anything else? Um, I also sell... Pencils, kids. <laughs> and why? Why do you think this makes you feel like poop? Cause like, uh, my stepbrother sells uh the same thing as me, but he does it way better than me. Okay. So how Freud would approach the scenario is that he already knows the problem. You have an inferiority complex. Uh, how? May with the push scenario would be uh, he needs more to go on here I think, so. So fundamentally speaking, you're telling me that, 
you are holding you and your brother to the same hypothetical standard. Mm. And why do yes. you feel the need to do that? Because I want to appease my parents. And I want to impress my parents. Are they are they appeased with you? Uh, I don't think so. Are you appeased with yourself? I don't think so because I can't. I don't think I can live up to myself if my other brother is selling pencils better than me. Are you appeased with your brother? I think he's okay. You, it's not his fault. Like I think it's more on me. So you feel as if you are burnt out, feeling like crap because of your own inability to do as well as your brother. Yes. And now I want you to ask me what will I want you to riddle me this. Well not answer me this. What will make you feel better? Hmm. If I could become better at my job better or get recognition from my parents. Mm. Mm-hmm. And why do you need that? Or why, rather, so, why do you want that? So I can feel like what I'm doing matters so, so uh, or has importance. So the thing that is responsible for validating your job is not even you. It's, um, it's external. Yes. And I know that you're not a you're 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 a smart patient you're a smart boy and I, I and, and, and both, both 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 you and I understand both you and I understand that the only thing we have control of is the internal, right? Right, my yes. boy. That's true. That's true, sir. So why don't you change your attitude then? Instead of seeking validation for trying to upend your brother and uh, validation from your parents. Why don't you validate yourself? Because the way I see it right now is that your psyche is enslaved to the whims of externalities. Learn, learn, from, learn from your experience. I will do that, sir. You Thank you, Dr. Kubis. My pleasure. Yes. Sir, um, talk, talk, talk. I can't pay. I can't pay in cash. I don't do payment. Talk to my secretary. Bye. All right. Next. All right. <laughs> 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 I think I'm, I'm. I think I'm gonna pass, uh, Doc. <laughs> okay, you're I lost. I think I learned a lot from from listening to, um. Uh, your patient Renzo, and you know, I think I, I know what it means. What my, what my true identity is. Thank you. Whatever. Talk to my secretary. Secretary, they're like. Buy, buy my audio. Buy my, buy my, buy my book. My, right. my, my, my book is called the, the Phenomenology of Dota Two. It's, it's a, it's a. Manila Times bestseller. <laughs> Star review of Putang and a Solid. <laughs> okay, so what did I just fucking do? Well, we'll get into it. So, Rollo May has a quote 
that summarizes his whole theory like really 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 well I okay and i want and just like all quotes i want to say it and then i want to hear what you guys think about it this quote is not deep. Uh, this one this quote is not deep at all it's actually kind of self-explanatory so okay go uh you, you can make this the tagline of your next uh, tokyo ghoul amv if you want <laughs> <laughs> those those uh tokyo ghoul fans out there or you got like, something for yeah you. or like if you if you want to make a tribute video to sasuke uchiha and naruto you can use this quote so <laughs> oh no. okay so, so how, how i feel like this quote is uh how come i feel like i'm gonna laugh at this quote it's not a funny quote <laughs> okay so i say and i quote one does not become fully human painlessly. Thoughts. Well, what? Basically, uh, in order to grow, you must feel pain. Or in order to enjoy life, you must know how to suffer life. Because if your entire life is full of fun, happiness, then it's gonna be boring. It won't grow. You need pain. You need suffering. <laughs> I, I, I'm halfly <laughs> joking, but honestly, that's along the lines what I really want to say. <clears throat> Anyways. Yes? Oh, Tevis? I would think that what you call that, I think that what it means that human being basically can't grow without pain because like um pain serves as the point of reminder of our mistakes uh self process of learning it's a process of learning through experimenting like if we like this feeling you know because like if we know it's bad of obviously if we know it's bad for us we wouldn't do it right and since there are different types of pain there are different ways to cure it and through experimentation do we learn that uh do we learn how to uh, no longer experience this pain or how to find more ways to feel better about oneself? Like, I think it's like Butter. Like, you know, Butter's from a South Park. Like, yeah. he was really sad in one episode. Hey, and he said, Yeah, yeah. Right? I remember this scene where Butter said what you call that. It's like a beautiful... He said it was like, life is like a beautiful sadness because, like, it's like how you take happiness, right? Like, how you take happiness easily and you're... In... But then he said, but then... What's what's life without the sadness? If you have, to, so you just gotta take sadness. How you take happiness along with it? Then that's that, what makes life beautiful. That's the episode where uh, us where uh, he and Stan broke up with their girlfriends. Yeah. And but 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 Butters was uh, like a total chat about it, and Stan became a, a goth. Yeah, that's, I think that's that's the one. And then Stan suddenly stopped being god after that. That's actually both of you are correct. I'd have to give the point to Renzo there because he <laughs> quote he quoted the exact reference that I had in mind. He read my fucking oh. mind. Oh <laughs> yes, I, I was I, I was going to bring up that butter shit actually, but he did it first. Fucking hell, he's one upping me this mother hunt. I I I was lear I'm learning from Friedrich and <laughs> joking. Okay, the big N. So psychotherapy, existential psychotherapy. Uh, so basically, that's the break it down. Let's break it down. It's the it, the whole stick of it is that you take Freud's psychotherapeutic model, and you adopt a 
existentialist mindset to it. So you synthesize it, so to speak. And first of all, how does this fucking work? So what does existentialism tell you to do? Well, that's a rhetorical question because I know you guys don't know the answer. First of all, it tells you to challenge established dogmas. Whether it's dogmas about your life, your morality, rules, concepts. It tells you to always question these. Be skeptical. Challenge them to see what works for you and what doesn't. Okay? Okay. So, if you have a certain way of doing life, like it's routine and, and it works for you, but you feel like my, my, my something that's lacking... Existentialism will tell you to challenge your routine. Find the, find, find the chink in that routine's armor and break that shit to live a better life. And secondly, existentialism tells you to expand your way of thinking, be more open-minded, so that you incorporate a better, fuller, more holistic understanding of the human experience. Yet. Yeah. Mm. Well, honestly, you can't grow if you close yourself. Yes, that, that's why boomers bad. That's why millennial also, woke. Yeah, man. Exploring new ideas makes your life even more. That's what I always think. Exactly. That that's what Jesus did. That's what we do in this podcast. Yeah. Come on, man. If Jesus could do it, if I could do it, if Bobby could do it, if Renza could do it, if Big L, actually Big N was so bad at this. (laughs) Big N, Big Big N only expanded this way of thinking to shit on the ways of thinking he was inspired by. (laughs) So, but in a nutshell, yes. So when you're an existentialist, there, there is a sort of expectation that comes with that position where it's like you ought to be able to think deeply about notions about your person, about your fundamental nature as a human. Things like free will, responsibility, the interpretation of experience. How do these apply to you? And it, and to be and to undergo such a therapy is basically to acknowledge these concepts and ask yourself, what does it mean? How do these apply? To my daily life how does my interpretation of free will apply to how i make my decisions how does my interpretation of responsibility apply to how i make my choices how does my interpretation of experience apply to how i view the world and my attitude towards others things like that so so the fundamental question that you have to ask yourself is what does it mean for me to be a human or what does it mean for me to exist as a human? Don't answer that, because and this and and when 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 May's most popular work published in 1950 was called The Meaning of Anxiety, and this is where it was introduced. So now let's get to, let's get into the application of this. So all right. Uh, so according to Rolomi, life is not linear. Life is dynamic. It's a spectrum. Life is a spectrum. And what happens in a spectrum? 
there's positive uh, there's a positive side there's a negative side but all of them consummate the entirety of the spectrum the good shit and the bad shit all make up the spectrum so how do you so what does this mean right so that means even even the shitty sides of the spectrum is part of life you so you should stop looking at suffering like it's something that's pathological that you have to fix it and cure it you have to look at it like a part of the normal life, a part of the human experience, a learn opportunity to grow as a person. Something to accept. Yeah, accepting the tragedy. I mean, like you can you can fix the tragedy, but how can you fix it if you don't accept it first, right? Mm. That's what I think. Okay. Okay. So what 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 so what what does May say? about human motivation well, well, what motivates humans what 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 motivates your decision making so if freud said that in a nutshell what motivates you is your drives may said mm-hmm. what motivates you is experience you want to look for experiences that enable comfort it's comfort and uh, we have to define first what comfort means to me Com- so to be comfortable means to enjoy familiar environments and engage in activities that keep your mental state and physical state in a state of balance and ease basically to be comfortable is to avoid hardship avoid anything that is to one unfamiliar and to uh not easy hard something that disrupts your sense of ease and balance and we make decisions with that in mind that's why this is why people want to go into business even though they don't like it because they will be financially comfortable if they make it out of their life some certain payoff yeah this is why a lot of people want to you know this is why a lot of people transfer to courses that are easier because it's going to be easier for them it's more comfortable for them this is why a lot of people don't want to get out of toxic relationships because it's a lot easier to stay in one but be passive than it is to confront it and endure a relatively lonely existence. Gets? Yeah. Gets. Yeah. And May said, uh, "There's so there's nothing wrong with looking for comfort. If that's your if that's your thing and you're and it's working for you, fucking go for it, whatever. But there's a problem with being too comfortable." Because too much comfortable infects your fucking brain. It tells you, it gives you this tendency to start to judge things and label things as good and bad, depend, <clears throat> depending on how comfortable you are and the pleasure that they provide. So the more comfortable you are in life, the more you're going to start, the more you're going to have this judgmental mentality where it's like, oh, this shit's bad. Fuck this shit. I'm staying away from that. Oh, this shit's good because it's comfortable. I'll go to it. Uh, so you you sort of close your mind off and you, you you tunnel vision yourself to just go for these good experiences and avoid the bad ones entirely. Mm, okay. And you have, Ney says that you need to avoid this shit that's bad because what these bad things are, things that are hard, things that are unfamiliar, but potentially rewarding these are opportunities of growth and if you judge it as bad and avoid it you are missing out big time on something that could be extremely beneficial for you in the long run yeah 
for example, okay. I'm going to use me as an example because it's one of the first ones I can think of also. Why am I here suffering Why in, in Kyoto? Why am I in Japan? What the fuck am I doing in Japan? I took a risk. I, I, I knew that, you know, coming here, I sacrificed the comforts of living in the Philippines. I am, an, I am in an unfamiliar environment and I am in a state of physical and mental instability, so to speak. I'm, everything mm. is weird to me here. <laughs> but there are but the experiences I have in Japan are so rewarding, so character changing that you know I think it's helped me for the better. If I didn't come to Japan, circus might not have been a thing. Not be pretty sad. Perhaps. Mayhaps. So May says that the best way to live life is to accept all forms of experience equally, regardless of how much discomfort and unpleasantness you you uh, get from them. May May is not saying be a criminal, but May May is saying if you have an opportunity to explore a facet of a decision that is discomforting or unpleasant, look into but it. Potentially. But potentially, but potentially rewarding. Look into it, and you need to accept these negative feelings, and you shouldn't repress them, because once again, you know they're not something that you should fix. They are natural, essential to human life, and second mm -hmm. to your psychological growth and to your maturity. So, in a nutshell, em embrace your hardship, embrace your demons, don't kill them. Strike a balance with them, right? Yeah, yes. So now let's let's try some psychotherapy on each on each other. All right. I, I want I want you guys to tell me right now, like what, like why why you guys are in. Why are you guys? Uh, let's make it easy. We talk a lot about orgs, but uh, about courses. But why why are you in, Isaac Davis, and why are you in HTG Bobby? Okay. Let's start with Devis again because he's just quiet. No, I was, I was listening, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what do you call that? I only wanted to go to IC because I wanted to experience new things. That's basically it. Like I wanted to experience like more kinds of people I've never met before. How that's how's that working out for you? I met a lot new more people I never thought I'd meet before. I learned how to. I was able to learn. I was able to get more experience with public speaking. I was able to see people change, develop, grow. It was really wholesome. Like, it made me believe I can grow too, and I did. I think I'm growing every day now. And any opportunity now, I see as growth. I I take it already. I I never thought I'd go out of my way to do things like. Well, you call that two things for for betterment, for self betterment. I, the old me wouldn't even be interested in going to other conferences, mm -hmm. meetings like that. Right, definitely, for sure, hundred ten percent. Yeah. <clears throat> so, the fact that you are hitting all the all the points, the major points, by saying that you are pursuing growth. And that's the that's the that's the main line here. Rollo May said that 
that should be your priority to pursue a, the, the potential for growth it's not that you should it's not that you should actively look for experiences that are this that, that are uncomfortable that's not like a buddhist mm. thing to do but it's that you shouldn't kick push away opportunities to grow yeah um bobby and why are you in htg <clears throat> Uh, I'm my internet's kind of wonky. Am I right? Hello. We'll wait. We'll wait. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. We the boys. All right. Okay. My internet's good. All right. So, why did I join HTG? Um, it goes back to why I wanted to pursue theater. Honestly. Why? And firstly, well, it it was like an evolving motivation. Uh-huh. It's like the moment I got to that, uh, the moment I arrived to the certain zeitgeist. Let's <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. When okay, I arrived okay. to that epiphany, zeitgeist, or achievement, a new a new goal comes into mind, and it just keeps coming and coming until, you know, the the goals become bigger and bigger. So initially, I joined theater because firstly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. With that. High school was a very um, uncertain time for me as a uh, as Bobby Roslin because honestly though like it, Kobe you were, you were my best friend and I was kind of like a mess in high school right Chipoknat. messy kid Chipoknat. <laughs> anyway, oh that's such um, a that's such a fun term yeah <laughs> anyway so like. I wanted to set myself apart. That, that that's one of the first things I wanted to do in high school. I really wanted to define myself such that people when people think about Bobby Rosson, they only think Bobby Rosson and they only uh think about him in this certain way and no one else could you know compare like oh Bobby he's like this now or Bobby he's like this person. No. That's what was my main goal. And I think how I started was joining theater and I'm just like I don't know. I, I I think I'm creative. I think I think I think I can. I think I think I can do production stuff. So why not? And when I got in there, um, it was like a weird experience. But yeah, uh, after I got in there, it it helped me open up more, because I was kind of reserved at that time. Helped me open up more. Helped me become more. Um, helped me embrace more or less. Helped me embrace. What I'm capable of at that moment. Uh-huh. Then, eventually, it got better and better. Then, come come college. Yeah. Uh, I'm no longer in the high school guild. Do I continue theater? And that's the thing. That my there was a new motivation. Why would I take theater again, right? And here's what I thought. Um, this is this goes to why I joined H. And why I want to join why I wanted to join HG initially was that I want to become a person that can uh graduate no 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 how about this um basically I wanted to since I wanted to be in line with being the unique person or you know being that one dude just like this yeah. uh, I wanted to be the person that graduates as a chemist but is also a member of a theater club and so 
I study chemistry. And I thought to myself, maybe I can still pursue theater in this aspect. I can still be unique in this way. Then eventually, when I got in there, uh, shit, there's so much shit happening in this guild. And honestly, though, I re- there, there was like a callback on why or why we do we all do theater and all that and for me it, it's a bit shallow or superficial right. thinking it's like very selfish when i do theater it's like oh theater is not just for yourself but it's for like society or like for for okay. the benefit of the people right all right and all right. here's my final final goal <laughs> sorry if it's like you know if it's a lot mm-hmm. the after staying a little while i think this goes to why i'm staying in heg it's because it i remember a friend told me or someone told me a mentor figure told me that mm. if you theater is not only a place that creates leaders because you know th- those people will will have to take managerial jobs right and like those people uh theater doesn't only make leaders but it creates leaders that will make even more leaders okay. all that. All and right. i stuck to that i stuck to that one line and someday uh i want to be like a big i don't know a big figure or a big symbol to at least this guild that i could be not the ideal you know gilder but you know people can derive a lot of good from me therefore they become great leaders and lead the guild to somewhere even better and that's essentially what my goal is now right i see i want to educate whoever comes in to become better than what it is now and hopefully, okay. you know, it, it 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 exponentially expands from there. It adds up to itself. It will continue adding itself until you know it gets to a really better place. And that's pretty much it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So you know, uh, I I also kind of want to like bring up some something. Okay, I'll share my story of that. Yeah, okay, yeah, y'all, y'all shared your cute, uh, hard, heart wrenching anime backstories about why you joined your orgs. And then we got the OP side character. Usually, is this like is this reminds a long beach uh, griffy episode? Yeah, like where we talk about side characters. Uh, backstory be like. Are are you a side, are, are you are you a side guy after? No. I think none of us are. I think we're all main characters. I have dibs on Jojo. <laughs> oh come on. Oh. What would you okay, let let's do a contest. What would your stand be called? Oh Chloe, I remember whoever, this question. Whoever has the best stand name becomes Jojo. Best stand name. Hmm. I remember, remember my first stand name back then. It was so bad. <laughs> 
what 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 was it? Roxana? <laughs> I forgot. No, no, no. Remember when you asked me for it? I said it was like uh, Panic at Disco or something. <laughs> oh yeah, Panic at Disco. Lorenzo's stand was oh, called Panic at the Disco. Like, it was so fucking. So <laughs> I also know back then. I was like randomizing like who to pick that time. I thought Panic at Disco was a fucking badass name. All right. <laughs> for me, <laughs> if I had a stand name, I would pick Spoliarium. Spoliarium. It's it's uh, actually a song from yeah, Weeheads. Yeah, I know, I but know. But also, it is the painting by one... Antonio Luna. Yes. Yep. Okay, interesting. But gay, but interesting. Go, go Tevez. Mm, okay, okay, wait. I'm still thinking about it. I still haven't gotten a good one. Because all of the ones that are coming to my head are like the recent ones. And that doesn't fit the JoJo, uh... Wait, you call that? Let me... Oh, wait, wait. Wait, I got this. So what's your stack gonna be called? Old Town Road? <laughs> Tongue. Yep. Oh, heaven. West Virginia? Oh, I think I'll call it Sweet Little Thing. Okay. Or Proudberry, yeah. SLT. Proudberry or sweet little thing, yeah. That's us. I, I I stand firm in my belief that my stand should be called Dream Theater. <laughs> I remember we <laughs> talked about Fuck this last time. <laughs> Dream Theater, man. Who is a believer in Dream Theater? What was that? Uh, he can, he can, it? he can, uh, he can produce and reduce chromosomes on touch. Yeah, right. wasn't this your superpower if you had a superpower also? Like that was my you, like, power. You stop right there, and then you you make the guy like echo extra close. He can't do crime anymore or something. Yeah, he just he becomes organically inept, <laughs> biologically <laughs> incapable of anything. That's kind of messed up though. But yeah, that's a very OP power. Pull that's me under. Pull me under. Pull like me under, I'm not afraid. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, so uh, my stand, this Polarium, um, it takes a form of, it, it kind of looks like a gladiator. It's a gladiator. And basically the ability is that uh, it whatever it touches or whatever it's in its perimeter when it's using its ability... Is that it can change any state of matter at will. So pretend this material is solid. Whatever it is, pretend you have like cotton buds in your hand. You can turn that into liquid at will. You can turn it into gas at will. You can turn it into plasma at will. And a side ability is that through manipulating the states of matter, uh, my stand makes me able to f- swim through, uh, sw- swim through everything. Basically, I could just change matter such that it's like all liquid, and then I can just swim through. It. You know, I'm really disappointed as to how you didn't use this as an opportunity to call your stand "My Chemical Romance." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, though. Hmm. Yeah, but nah, I'll I'll have a hard pass on. That. 
<laughs> I mean, I have my reasons why I I, I named my stand. I don't want to get too deep. I have a feeling <laughs> I already know what it is. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Pull me under. Pull. All right. Okay. Anyway. Do I do you does anyone wanna hear my rationale for moving to Japan? My existential rationale to move to Japan? Mm, I know it, but no, you, you ask you ask Renzo if he wants to know. What is it then? I'm really? I'm intrigued. I wonder what it is. I remember you 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 talked to me why you Okay. Was... What did I say? Well I, it goes back to the philosophy of the video. Video of the of the podcast right now, like it was under a view challenging yourself. You want to be better. You want to continuously, you know, continuously improve yourself. And you got the opportunity after after you took your is it S S A T? what is no. it again? I I L T I L T. After you uh, applied. To Japan, uh, did you apply from Dosisha directly, or you just you just sent it out there? I applied directly because it was the only yeah. one that was open at the at the moment. It was ah, it was okay. a last last minute application. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, you also signed up to other countries. No, just here. My just there. My my parents said that the other countries were way too expensive. Japan was the only country that they were willing to send me to. They're not gonna send me to fucking China. And they and it was too expensive to send me to like Hong Kong, Singapore, that sort of thing. Japan was very affordable and also very uh open to scholarships. That was the main thing. They weren't stingy with their scholarships. And also cause I, from a perspective of humanities and social sciences, Hong Kong and like Singapore and all those other nice Asian countries are yeah. major lacking. They're not they're not good for that for that part for that position. But humanities and social sciences in Japan definitely have a have a place. Yeah. So and I I want to <laughs> correct you in that um I I honestly did apply also because I was very um unsatisfied with Filipino curriculum because I had the I went I went over the curriculum of the philosophy departments in the Philippines and it wasn't that it was too easy but it was too rigid I didn't like that what attracted me to my program was that it you could choose any subject you wanted so it really tested uh, my ability to uh, adapt and adjust because I have to be able to synthesize all of these different subjects under one holistic framework. So the whole, the whole, my my department is experimental. They're trying to apply a master's style curriculum to undergraduate students to see how it works. So there's a gigantic emphasis on self-study, teaching yourself, that sort of thing. Hmm. Coming up with okay. your with your own creative solutions, so it's not it's not so it's not rigid at all. It's like the lecture is there, and then here's the homework. Fuck off. Here's the homework. Here's the book. Here's the reading. Do external research if you want. Bye. See you later, bitch. It's like that. Uh, it kind of fits your style too. 
Yeah, I wanted to challenge myself because I knew for a fact that um, this is not a flex, but I know this for a fact. If I attended regular Philippine philosophy curriculum, I would be bored. So this week we're doing not we're doing Kant. Next week we're doing Nietzsche. Next week we're doing Hegel. Oh. Wow. So like imagine, imagine if I took that philosophy class in the Philippines in La Salle and like I'd have to sit through your ethics class. You'd be bored to shit. I had a feeling, yeah. You'd be very bored to shit. Because the reason why I'm having a blast is because I can impress my teacher through all the things we talked about before. Hey, there we go. And using my, you know, prowess that prowess. Uh, I, der- I derived from you and from all the talks we've had, including Start to Secure It, to present myself in a manner that I can, uh, I could speak in academical terms in philosophy. Wow. Actually, now I think about it, I, I think this question matches our theme right now. Um, why did we why did we actually say yes to when Kobe asked us why did you say yes to Kobe when you wanted when he asked you to join Circus of Korea? Yeah, What's well, your why did you guys reason? say yes actually when this right? is That's when, 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 when some idiot independent philosopher just comes up to you and says podcast ayutra what made True. you guys say yes? Yeah, what made us say yes? Um, <laughs> Kobe, you want to go first? Oh, yeah, Bobby, you want to go first? Why would I answer oh. that? <laughs> uh, this why did you say yes did... to to to, uh, to join the podcast? Why did I say it? You know, I, I'll be I'll be I'll be honest. I said yes because I wanted to explore. That's the first thing. But yeah, uh, it was very surface level. Almost. Like I did, I wasn't really percent into it. Uh-huh. Especially like the first half. <laughs> yeah, I had like, a, I had a feeling. I just said yes because I want to try something else, and you know, the it was kind of sad I wasn't that. But you know, after after quite some time, end up and something I'm willing to do. I don't know, the five years time, ten years time. Well, this fucking ends, I guess. Mm, right, right, right. It won't. It will not. How about you, Tebs? Oh man, mine was actually legit corny at first, huh? Go ahead. So, uh, what do you call that? Well, you know when you the one you said yeah, you asked me, I was actually just really G because I wanted to first yeah try out new things. I wanted to try out practice of new skills. I wanted to learn. Oh. I wanted to, and since you said it was a learning opportunity to learn many things, I mean, as a fellow um artist and what do you call that, and I'm trying to write stories now. And trying to understand more about my characters, uh-huh. I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for me to learn experiment that concept throughout uh through writing right now. And um, I, I think I can I was willing to learn the, to this because like I can do the de- game deconstruction, also reconstruction of certain aspects. I really thought this was really helpful. And but what really convinced me in the man was in the first place was actually. I get to talk to Kobe again after so long. Really? I get to hang out with yeah, Kobe oh yeah. Again. I want to add to that. Like, I really miss those days in high school when we get to talk with like all the different people and all that, and like you know talk about just life and shit. And 
I want to keep doing that up to college and you know, kind of gives that energy. Yeah, I was like, I get to talk to Kobe and Bobby again, uh, and then I get to hang out with my old boy, my my OG boys, and then we're going to hang out together, and you get to learn, holy shit, this is going to be fun. That's really what sold me, man. Hey, there we go. That's my my boy. It's double, it's double, what you call that? It's It was a double bonus for me. Perfect. Kanpeki. Nice. Kanpeki da. Okay, that was heartwarming. I want to ask you guys one final question, though. Well, rather, mm. four final questions. Just, yeah. to, just to wrap up the discussion about existential psychotherapy. So, sure. it's one of, it's pretty popular now nowadays. So one of the one of the proponents of it is this guy named Irvin Yalom, and in his book, 1980 book, uh, Existential Psychotherapy, very creative title. Yes, he said that <laughs> he said that um, he he laid out that um, we get existential crises from four reasons, and in order to mature existentially, we need to come up with an answer to why we feel existentially threatened by these four problems. So these problems are one, death, two, freedom, three, isolation, and four, meaning. Uh, oh. Death, yeah. death, freedom, isolation, meaning, or rather meaninglessness. So I want to ask you guys, how are you guys coping with uh confronting these problems how do you tell yourself that it's okay to sleep at night knowing that these four problems are a thing that exists okay so uh from the all of the four things i think my most problematic is right now is actually meaning a lot like yeah like for me it's continuous i'm always trying to find the meaning Maybe I, it's crazy to think that the mere fact I'm trying to find the meaning to life is a meaning to itself. But no, I should. I'm still in the quest to finding that meaning, and that's usually the existential that 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 always attacks me. But regarding death, um, for me, the me I I like. There's a point where there are times I can understand the meaning of death. And mm. there are times where I don't. Right. But for me, it doesn't matter. What matters is that I accept it. That death is inevit- ine- inevitable. And that I think from, or from, from, from my end, in, or- in order to tackle death, you make most of what you have prior to that death. Make yourself content with everything before you reach that inevitability. I right, right. still got a lot of time. Yes, sir. What's, yes, uh, sir. what's, uh, what's the other two? So you did death and meaning. Meaning. Uh, freedom and isolation. Freedom. It's something I really don't talk about a lot, nor think about actually. Because I, I like to think that I'm kind of a free person. 
But there will be times where my freedom as a person will get so hindered. And it, it, uh, actually, it's the second most problematic thing. It's just that I don't think about it too much. But when I do think about it, it really hits me. And there, it's, it, it's in two, it happens in two ways. It's either like <clears throat> I struggle with it such that there's something I'm going through. And it's gonna go going back to bite me about uh, freedom. Like, am I truly free? Am I am I really bounded by something? And like, do I really or am I really unbounded as I think I am? But mm-hmm. normally, at the end of it, I say, I would say na I would to whatever my limit or what my extent of this, okay. I will <clears throat> uh, like like in death make the most out of it and always try to challenge the freedom I ought to myself or at least the satisfaction or being content with no? okay 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 and what's the last one isolation isolation Hmm, that's very gray. Like, I don't know when I'll think about it, nor aware that I think about it. That's the that's the problem. Isolation, but there will be days where I do feel kind of. Low. But it's <clears throat> specifically existential isolation. It's the feeling that you know. The only thing you can experience is yours alone, and you're fundamentally unaware of anyone else's experience. No one can understand your perspective totally. In other words, you're the only person who can look at the world the way you do. And ah, okay. and as much as you want to share it with people you love, it will never happen. <laughs> For me, actually, that, that the answer to that, I just discovered pretty recently. You know? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that, that thing has bit me ever since I started thinking about finding myself, I guess. Mm. Because I don't think, uh, at, at, the, at the very beginning, I always thought that people should understand me because what I think is it's the best. Man, that. Yeah, but yeah. Over the years, it just keeps telling me, no, else understand me. Whatever you think, whatever good you think, whatever you think, the world can deserve no one's gonna understand no one's gonna care that's a matter of but I don't know like I haven't thought about it anymore since I met my girlfriend Mm. and if I try to derive an answer from that you don't even though she even she wouldn't understand completely everything about me but the mere fact that she would try or the mere fact that someone would take the time and effort that to to try understand what I really who mm-hmm. I am what I'm capable of and me as the same to her I think that'll be enough for me that's I'm content with that idea that yeah, I don't think everyone will understand me, but at least I'm happy to know that there will be people who would want to know. 
would try to understand. So mm. the cutest thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's a big fan too, so she'd probably get... If she reaches this part of the podcast, she's gonna be so killing listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. The, the, the two hours, two hours in, and if she if she manages to make it this Remember, far, boys, you know if you found the right girl, if she listens to your entire podcast, <laughs> <laughs> if she has the time to listen to all all two hours of pretentious nonsense, you found yeah, her. Yeah, every if, episode. If you found the right girl, guys. After she bears with you, like, every episode, like she goes like, "Oh, these are my, this is my boyfriend." Oh man, that's wholesome laugh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, Tavis, how about you? Can you give me the questions again? And or that was like really, I, I found Bobby's answer really, really adorable. I loved it so much. Death, freedom, isolation, and meaning, meaninglessness. Death, freedom. Isolation, meaninglessness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. The, the basic concept of death? Mm, just death. Whatever it means to you. Mm. I think for me, uh, I have two kind of conflicting standpoints. I don't know. Like, I want to believe in which side. So, first one's like, I think death is just what you call that just something it's either plain black but whatever you left behind you're like your death has a meaning because it determines how you live your life and whatever you left behind is something you're gonna pass on or in hopefully inspire others to continue your work so you can continue make the same meaning you have or a similar meaning of the same purpose you why reason why you spent your life doing this or the other concept of death, like for me, is like, it, I would like to believe that is not just the ending, but a big, uh, but a new beginning. Oh, you want to get reincarnated? Well, it's your now. I'm just chilling in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. You're hopeful. I understand. Yeah, so- I, I think I want to be hopeful because I like to believe that there's more to life than just after death you're just dead and then you are leaving behind because i think of it like a little bit sad in that way because i like to feel like death has it's much has more meaning than just simply people than just simply people dying i like to think there's a continuation of one's person's entire life i i interesting and that's how you sleep at night knowing that you're gonna die soon <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, but that, that's really oh. how that's really the premise of how yeah, you is. answer the question. Yeah. Like it's like I it may sound like I accept that welcomely, but as much as possible I'd like to avoid that obviously. Of course, of course. I still find it scary, yeah. I think like uh I'll just be open with you guys, like uh I think the thing I fear the most is actually death, like the that's thing it. the thing you fear the most? Is that like not the concept of death itself, but also like the fear of becoming once more nothing? Like, like when we came to this world, like if we, if you remember your past memory of that, it was nothing as well, right? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, freedom. Freedom. I think it's a. Uh, 
it's a it's what should allow you to express yourself how you li- want to live your life properly it's like wait are you talking about pure freedom or just freedom in general what it means to you my guy it's one of those things that you can't really like you know oh yeah <laughs> so it's one of those things you can't really like put you're not meant to put your finger on until like it 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 it, it's, it depends on your definition you know what i'm saying yeah i get it i get it get it come on get go get it go get it bitch i think uh freedom for me is is what you call that is is a way it's allowing someone to live your life or allowing you you yourself to live your life what you call it, to the fullest of how you want to live your life like without anything stopping you so in other words it's not real true freedom is not possible yeah and that is not true freedom but then i like to believe that but i mean like in the concept that that's what i mean true freedom is but then ideally i think what freedom really is supposed to be is like there's like a the best kind of freedom for me is freedom that does like it allows you to live your life to the fullest while, while not harming anyone else or like while not negatively impacting someone else's sense of freedom as well uh-huh. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I think. Uh, my my. That's what my definite freedom is. Right, right, right. I see. Okay, v- that was very interest. <laughs> What's the next one? Okay. Uh, next one. Next one. Next one. Huh. Existential isolation. It's a little complicated. It's the idea that if you need a refresher, it's the idea that you are the only Renzo. No one else will never, will ever, ever, ever understand what it means to be Renzo. What to see the yeah, world as Renzo as? It's just Honestly, you. <laughs> I think for me, I don't think I could really. I might find it really hard to relate to this. Uh, in terms of isolation, because like. Honestly, I think my problems are re- everyone experiences it the same thing as me. Yeah, honestly. Um. But if I were to say what would be one of my problems, the most that I hate, it's really common, though. Uh, but then I think it's a sense of hardship. How I have to overcome more hardships than generally the most of my what I see in my blockmates. I see them spend time playing video games and like they easily get a lesson really well. I'm really I'm really happy for them, not jealous or anything. But I'm like thinking it just makes me sometimes think like, oh, how good if like how good was would it be if I could do that one day also? I could see you so much more time practicing on my own. What I wanna do, like, you know, I wanna do more things on my own. I wanna do more stuff, so Right. I see I think that's why that's well, I think that's what I want for isolation, but yeah, I think basically for the definition for isolation, I think it's just... Oh wait, you were asking the definition, right? Or was it the... No, what, like, what is isolation? how do you cope with it? How do you cope with it? How do you sleep at night knowing that these problems are a constant thing floating mm. over your head? How do I cope with it? Honestly, I, I do it in the sense that I think, I think of the logic of video games. Okay. Because I in video games we have this you know this you'd experience bar, right? We always keep experiencing right? And farming mechanics, you know that, right? Yeah. 
I think that's what basically life is. Like, no matter how bad you are, no matter how good, the, how amazing the skillful person is, how skillful the person is, how talented he is, Percy has a Latin talent. In the end, it, it what matters the most is how many times you keep farming, how many times you keep working hard for it. Because in the end, experience is the most important thing of all. It doesn't matter if you have the most OP ability in game. It, it doesn't ma- mean anything if you don't know how to use it properly through experience. I think you just gotta keep trying what you gotta keep doing, you know? And that's what really keeps me awake. Like, what you call that? Even if I'm bad at this, I know that when I look at my back, back then, I say, oh, I couldn't learn this back. I didn't know about this back then, but at least I learned it now. I do self-comparison from present and past. I think that's what we can do to cope. Okay, I see, I see. And the, la- the last thing was me meaning. What is meaning to you, right? What is meaning? Or how do, you, how, do you, how do you sleep at night knowing that you could potentially have no meaning? Hmm. If that's honestly, you know, as an, as an artist, we all try to have meaning. That's kind of hard. That's a kind of a scary thing to say, huh? I, I, me. I Normally, think... I would think an artist, like a lot of the artists I know, that they, they do art because they want to. It's like unlock the creative side of everyone. That's usually what I see it. Like when you put out an artwork, it's not only for yourself but also for other people. Yeah, and the way you call that that's the thing, yeah. That's true, Bobby. But then the thing is, like, to not have meaning, that's kinda hard for us to say because like when we try making art, we try to have meaning. But how do I cope with that? Who says you don't have meaning? No, no, I mean, like, when you, when you, that was a question, how do you cope if you have no meaning? No, well, how do you cope with the possibility that you might have no meaning? Ah, uh, the possibility. Because, you know, the classic existentialist answer is make your own meaning. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, honestly, yeah, I was gonna say, like, human beings, I think we're all, cho- we all have the choice of living our lives properly. And I, I believe that what you call that, whatever you do, should have meaning. Whatever you do, generally doesn't have meaning at first. But until you actually genuinely have the passion for it, then it becomes a meaning. Or like when you have a drive or something, uh, when you have a purpose. Yeah. It doesn't have to be grand. It's just you just have to. And how I cope with that sense of that me not having meaning. Of no, of like what you call that, a possibility of not having meaning. I like to think that what you call that. Is there? I like to think back to the following question: Did I try anything new today? Is there anything? Is there any one thing that I learned new today? Right. And then I think about that and say, that's probably that's something meaning. That's probably what you call that meaning because I think my general meaning right now is uh my general what you call that purpose for feeling uh having a meaningful life is keep learning. Okay, that that that's good enough for Plato. It might be good enough for, for you, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Interesting, 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 interesting. Very, very interesting. So, you know, uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll keep my answer short and sweet because I have dealt with these questions since I was fucking. I don't know, since I was a fetus in high school. So, like, I, I, I have answers pre-prepared already. 
All right, it's it's on here. All right. So 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 e easily, I I fall very squarely in make your own meaning. I yeah. I, I, I fall very squarely in make your own meaning, and yeah. however, I believe that you can use uh, externalities that are greater than the self such as the concept of God, to exacerbate created meaning. Think of it as a re like you're an academic researcher and you use your university as a platform to validate the data you're presenting. Same, same, same banana. So, scratch. Done. Hey, okay, next is the one that I think I, I'll, I'll do it in descend, descending order from the one that haunts me the least to the one that haunts me the most. Meaning has haunted me the least. Because, because I'm I've 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 tackled that demon for like what how many years already? Um, next is freedom. So my concept of free will is very. I don't I don't believe in free will. I I believe that at any given circumstance I am I am constrained at all sides from a multitude of different things be they metaphysical things like just the fact that i exist in this body is already a constraint uh social the fact that there are laws that i can't break the fact that uh there are things that i can't do that's already a constraint or even me as a kobe as kobe as a person the fact that kobe is limited by the experiences that kobe has been through and the fact that kobe may or may not have certain ways of looking at the world certain attitudes is a is a constraint and there there are only there are only two things that i can do to overcome this one is find out how much i can maneuver given these constraints and i'm pretty good at that yeah. two 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 is two is uh two is trying to lessen these constraints over time and uh you can do this through a multitude of other ways like learning expanding your horizons expanding your your experience well what rollo may said about uh the, the about the two purposes of existentialism to challenge established dogma and to be able to expand your way of thinking all of, <clears throat> all, all of these serve to help expand freedom but you will never have total freedom so so third is death so i don't know what happens when i die but the thing is, there's what it's one of those things that you fundamentally cannot really ha have an answer to. Yeah, so, that's what that's what I said in my. I, so, I don't really need to know the real meaning of death. So the thing about death is, the best way to approach death is to just assume that it's the end, it's over. Yeah. Not not saying I believe that it necessarily is the end, but you can make the most out of your life knowing that death will be the end because ah uh, shoot i think i forgot to state that uh i also met like oh you call yeah i've also lived your life to the fullest as oh man mm. but here's the thing also i think just fundamentally speaking the, the idea this is my personal opinion you might disagree mm -hmm. with this but the idea that you will die i think makes makes me a, a less selfish person the it's not the, the mm -hmm. le less 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 selfish the idea that I can die at any time makes me. What feel... make why less of? 
because I am temporary and that much is guaranteed I am however I do not know I, I what I know is I'll die I do not know when but I know I will die but something that I know less of is when other people die the people I'm close to when will they die so it's not that I will live my life dedicated to other people but it gives me a platform to appreciate other people even more knowing that there is a temporal nice. not not knowing that there is a temporality a mutual temporality and just the idea that you know i've lived my life as a messenger of the angel of philosophy so to speak and the True. thing the, the thing is it, i've i've traded off the amenities of having a, re a relatively philosophically unchallenging domesticated calm life to having to tackle with these issues really really violently at an early age so yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not at all you know flabbergasted by any notions that i will die at any time i should have died many 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 times i've had several near-death experiences and so far the what what i can only guarantee i feel like what i can I, I I know for a fact that I can guarantee my own happiness. That much is secured because that's all internal. I cannot guarantee totally, however, the happiness of my peers, of the people that I, I affect, the people that I leave behind. I cannot I do not have control of that. So there's more anxiety surrounding that because I know for a fact that I can die happy whenever I fucking want. That's all up to me. Pero how do I know that I think my friends die happy? They they haven't tackled with these questions the same way I have, right? They haven't they haven't fought the, those those existential demons the same ways I have. So it's it's more of the anxiety of like, just the idea that there's death makes me feel like I treasure the company of people even more than when I don't think about it. Because whether mm -hmm. I, because I, 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 I control the circumstances of my mind when I die. That's up to me. But I cannot, yeah. I cannot control the circumstances of everyone else's minds when they die. There's anxiety there. So it's like death is basically the celebration of life. Not, yes. not, not death itself, but the idea of death is the celebration the, of the, life. The, 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 the idea of death. As for existential isolation... That's the one that haunts me the most, as Bobby might understand, because yeah. it's it's hard being a machine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard being organic tissue over metal endoskeleton. <laughs> and and uh, there is a lot of anxiety in that. I I want to share how I view the world. Because I, I personally think it's very insightful. I personally think that if people thought thought a lot more like I did about existential concepts, they would live fuller lives and I would appreciate them more and they would appreciate themselves more and they would appreciate everyone else more. But what I don't understand, what I cannot seem to understand is that not everybody has the same philosophical faculties to comprehend the same issues the way I do. So mm -hmm. I get disappointed when they don't follow through or when situations like ha occur when they decide to challenge me because the thing is challenging dogma 
I'm good at challenging my own dogma. I'm so fucking good at challenging my own dogma. I do it all the time. But when other people challenge my dogma, ish, that's the thing. The idea that I, I have this strong titanic adamantium foundation of, 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 you know, of structured thought and the idea that no one can reach it does not bother me at all in the sense that in the sense that you know it's me i'm kobe no one else will think like me there's a there's a demand for people to think like this because there's no one else who does it but it's it's, it's, it's depressing in the Besides. sense that you know no one no one knows what it's like it's lonely in the top so you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> it's just you know some because sometimes i feel like in a, in a, when I was when I was a kid, and sometimes I actually tell this to myself that just the way I look, I understand the world right now has fundamentally changed my attitude towards anything and everything, and it sort of desensitized a lot of domestic pleasures to the point where I feel like I have to du- I have to dumb down to appreciate a lot of them. And mm. th- th- this is a completely unironic statement on my part. There, there is a famous quote where domestic bliss dulls the philosophical edge. Um, philosophers have a track record of being very lonely individuals, and uh, not 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 in the literal sense, but in the intellectual sense. Uh, a lot mm. of the time, a lot of the times, they focus so much on ways of understanding the world that they forget how to communicate the understanding so the humanity in their ideologies disappears completely and i don't want to fall into that trap yes mm. yeah. yeah i don't want to get into it because that's going to be another three hours so <laughs> <laughs> but in a, nut- in a nutshell that, that that's how i approach these problems and and it's always an uphill battle but Sometimes you're gonna have to lose. It ain't about how fast I get there. Where is everybody? It's, it's about what's waiting on the other oh, side. It's Valley's... the time. I can almost say it. That dream I'm dreaming. There's a voice inside my head. You'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels. That song is as existential as Disney gets. My faith is shaking. Uh, but so that I... Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> after wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep my head held high. There's always going to be another mountain. That's Let's go. I like that song actually. It's really it's, be- nice. it's beautiful. I love yeah, it's, it's I a fu- nice song. After I that, fucking love the time so much. I've had. I don't know what There's happened to this song. After. There's always gonna be a, another mountain. Always gonna wanna make you move. That's a, that. That was a quote originally actually stated by Soren Kierkegaard. Did you know that? Sure, man. Sorry, Kirk- sure, man. Sorry, Kirk- Kirkegaard, 1871. There's always gonna be another 
Vad fan, jag är visst värd i Sverige som inte sa en tonsäkdosa. Mm. Jag har hört att det är just äldre sånger. Jag prefer äldre sånger rather than new Taylor Swift. You know, there's a there's a quote that uh, Nietzsche said. Uh, that really. Another that... mountain. No, no, no. So Nietzsche said this quote uh, when he was addressing uh, a group of people, and they they asked him about what it meant to live a good life, and he said, "I put my hands up. They're playing my song, and the butterflies fly away, nodding <laughs> my head like yeah." Moving my hips like yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I got my hands up to play my song. You know I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, it's a party in Germany. <laughs> Actually, I'm joking, but he does have this really beautiful quote. Like no shit this time. Nietzsche said, and I quote, one of my favorite quotes from the Big N. I wanna hear your thoughts just to wrap up now. He, who has a why can bear almost anyhow. Real quotes. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. This one is, okay. You know why? I said like if you have your own meaning, if you fully define yourself, it won't matter whatever path you take because you know who you are, you know what you're gonna do. So whatever process, whatever step, getting to whatever goal you have, won't matter. You're gonna get through it. You're gonna, you're gonna fight life. Yeah, no, yeah. you're gonna challenge yourself. It's yeah. because you're gonna reach your goal eventually. Tevis, what about you? I think because uh, the reason why, I think as long as the moment you have the, the moment you have your reason, the reason, the moment you have the reason for your actions, and you believe in that reason. Or what the actions you'll do next, or automatically fall into play. Like I noticed this the moment you have a reason for any game, everything falls into place for all of a sudden. You develop it based on this reasoning you have. Everything follows. It's like it magically fall falls into place. That's what I learned. Yeah, I know, right? It's like everything suddenly matches, and then as long as you have that one reason, the reason why I feel like. The how it makes sense how because you but, won't you won't need the how because you already know what you're gonna do because based the reason I raise a counter argument. Oh, no man's sky. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm joking. That's a that's a different kind of reason, man. <laughs> I think it's because they they wanted the game to be a scam in yeah. the first place, so. Go figure. <laughs> that, that depends on is it because like I what I mean really that I mean, I have a deaf passion works. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So. You oh. this episode, I realized it's very uh, supportive. It's like oh, a what? mood booster. Like you guys can do this. Keep doing what you guys are doing. And this this is this is literally like one out of, out of of the nights. The night, the nights will deal with all similar themes. The nights, the nights, the nights. The nights. All right, so that's one out of twelve nights, eleven to go. 
Yeah, I actually haven't. Eleven nights before Christmas. I, I, I actually haven't finished the list of nights yet. So um, we're gonna get twelve nights. So roll on me is check. Uh, who who's the who's the next night you wanna do? Carl Rogers. Yeah, it's Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers, another psychologist. Okay. Rogers are from because both of them are knights. Any. Or it's up to you. So from is more about uh from from is more about discovering yourself, and Rogers yeah. is more about. Well, how do I say this? Like, so if from is more about discovering him yourself, he has a quote where he said that um that man's duty is to give birth to himself. Beautiful quote as well. Uh, from uh, Rogers has a quote that basically says, uh, "The good life is a is a process." So, it, it, what, what quote sounds more appealing to you? Man's duty is to give birth to himself, or the good life is a process, not a state of being. Mm, the first one. From so from from over from over Rogers. Mm. Oh. I prefer the second one, actually. What? Okay. Oh. Okay, so... Hmm. We'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway. Or we can do someone who is also... Uh, we can do other psychologists, because there's a lot of them. We can do Lacan. So Lacan... Lac what did Lacan say? Lacan said a lot of shit. Lacan was more on the linguistic side. Um... Or we can do Melanie Klein. Melanie Klein is a direct follow-up of Freud. If you get, so, if you well, Freud is still fresh in y'all y'all's mind. She hmm. Lacan, I think, would be good. So Lacan was is more on the anthropological side. He was the one who introduced the concept of the other. The other. Is that? The other is anything that's not you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. No, I mean legit, really. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's not you. And you know who Lacanian psychoanalysis is also one of the biggest memes in the philosophy community. Because what? because it inspired uh, a certain trash can eating Marxist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already eating from the trash can. All the time. All the time. <laughs> I'm eating from the trash can all the time. Zizek's philosophy is best described as a synthesis of Marx and Lacan, actually. Whoa. Or we can do Melanie Klein. Melanie Klein was the one who brought up Eros Thanatos. Life, life, life instinct, death instinct. Direct follow-up from the big sig. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. There always be another. There always be another mountain. Always gonna wanna make it move. Damn. Wait, I need, uh, say good. Wait, what's your plan next? So we're 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 going for who the next night should be. Anyway, let's pick a window. So who's the next knight? Wanna randomize it? 
Mm, do I want to randomize it? Okay, fine. Okay, so we, we have four options because we started with the psychologist. We have to continue with the psychologist. So let's just do let's just do let's just do from and Roger since we brought him up already. So okay, so okay, I'm going to do I'll I'll do what I did with the. I'll do what I did with Bobby, where I sang Ariel's, and you have to fill in the lyric. And whoever fills it in first gets the gets the the choice. So who votes? So Bobby votes Rogers, right? And Devis votes from, right? Mm. Or did you both vote mm. from? Uh no, I voted from. Oh, so Devis, who'd you vote for again? From or Rogers? Your Rogers. Rogers. I think uh yeah. But I think I might have prefer doing from instead. Okay, so Eric from it is next next time. Uh, Alright, so... so uh, well, I always want to say this, so stay tuned, guys, next week. Last minute plugs, last minute plugs. Um, uh, UNICEF, learn how to grow. <laughs> uh, just catch us in Harley Computer Guild's production, do the song, yeah. Ooh, in two weeks. Okay. Uh, Kobe, last yeah. minute plug for you. Uh, you uh, are a blank. I am a ruthless, efficient, philosophical <laughs> machine. That is and correct. <laughs> and, the, and the trash can, according according to a democratic uh, sentiment. <laughs> I am I am dog trash. Woof woof. Okay. Yeah, from the trash can yeah. all the time. This trash can is called ideology. This trash can called ideology. When you shit in the toilet, when you shit <laughs> in the toilet and flush, the shit disappears. <laughs> 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 I am already eating from the trash can all the time. <laughs> okay, we should stop. Dude. We should stop. <laughs> We're just going inside. It's all right. <laughs> okay, goodbye, everyone. Bye bye. I'm already... The trash can. Safely. All the time. <laughs>